0: Are you finding you just can't get enough of the Uncommon Life Project? We've got just the solution for you. Go to our website, uncommonwealth.com and you can click on resources and get your own book for you to explore all of the ways that you can start going down your uncommon path. We hope it really helps. Let's get back to the show.
1: Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey.
0: Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of your favorite show, my favorite show, and my grandma's favorite show, Uh, the uncommon life project i'm your host philip ramsey and i am brian Dewhurst. welcome to another amazing show we have an awesome guest on it let's do the bio and let me tell you why i want him on the show
2: so i'm going first that's it okay yep (laughs) we have the one the only matthew Sorensen, and he is just starting uh he just started a podcast seven months ago for the candidate club candidateclub.com. He's been in business for almost four or five years and is helping job seekers all across the country, and I'm sure the world. So we're going to unpack his story today. Awesome. All right. This is why I want Matthew on the show.
0: One, welcome, Matthew. Thanks for being on. Philip and Brian, thank you for having me. Oh man. Here's why I want you on the show because when people, and, and you're going to kind of unpack this, but you impact people who are job seeking or or in this transition period and like you're impacting people with encouragement And like really empowering them to take a step of faith into something that they're passionate about. So you're impacting many people and kind of like us, helping them get there by encouraging them and impacting them in powerful ways. So that's why I wanted you on the show. And also to just say like, hey, this has been a passion project of yours. And now you're doing this as a career, which is basically like the Uncommon Wealth Project, the Uncommon Life Project, uh, and what we do at Uncommon Wealth Partners. So. Uh, welcome on the show. How in the world did you get to where you are at currently?
1: Well, I'll start with Candidate Club. I started a web platform uh, about five years ago to help job seekers prepare for their interview. And about partway through 2019, I um, started speaking with my wife about uh, the basically long term plans for Candidate Club. I started it before I even met her. And it was, I was really getting to the point where. I either needed to go full-time with it or probably just give up because working on it after work every night wasn't going to get me very far unless I had another like 200 years to to dig into it. So uh, end of 2019, I left my job. I was the director of talent acquisition for a group of fantastic companies. So uh, January 1st of 2020, started working on that full-time. And then towards the end of 2020, I'll jump to the job interview experience. Towards the end of 2020, just on a whim, um, I have this had this idea. Um, the web platform helps job seekers learn to prepare for their interviews, but I have this desire to help all job seekers, no matter where they are in life. And I love the idea of a job seeker that seeks out information, self-improvement information mm. on how to have a better interview. I've interviewed so many people who... Uh, some they're nervous and that's perfectly fine, but some that just didn't care at all. And you can tell they put zero thought or effort into this beforehand. And it tells a lot about how they're going to feel and perform in their job. So I want to help the person more than anything in the world that's seeking out this information. So in late 2020, I'm working like 80 hours a week on my business. And and one day this idea hits me uh, that I should start a podcast and just where I share my thoughts um, you know, and I had so much time to kill that I, I figured I'd put one more thing on my plate. So I already, ha- I had a microphone and I knew how to use GarageBand. So all I really needed to do was talk was the idea. The first episode was rough. A lot of ums and ahs and, you know, I'm still working to break those habits. But in the first episode, uh, I introduced myself and in my background. I just spoke free form about how I think job interviews, are a lot like first dates and ideas like don't talk bad about your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend on a first date. Right. Don't talk bad about your last employer or past boss on a first job interview. Uh, don't appear to be stuck in the past and negative. It'll look bad in both situations and no one wants that baggage. I could go on for hours on this stuff and I do <laughs> on the podcast, podcast. Yeah. but that's, that's yeah. how I
0: started. That's good. Okay, I want to go back to so 2019 when you're like deuces. One, I think there's a core value there. At some point, when you're going down this uncommon life, you have to make a decision. Do you want to make this a priority, or do you want to make this a side hustle forever? And you decided to go all in, head first, sailor dive into the unknown, <laughs> the black abyss. The gainer, as you call it. The gainer, yes. Love it. The gainer. Uh, so tell me about that. Were you married, dating? Like, was it just you? Tell me about that. Exactly. The 2019.
1: I had some long-term plans. So when I first had the idea for Candidate Club, I, I think it was 2015 or 16, The I had the idea, the concept, online interview training and basically interview simulators okay. was the foundation of Candidate Club. And this is a, a, quite a while before I even met my wife. So I started building it uh, with my free time and putting things together and slowly adding ideas and I really the momentum kept growing on that. And actually, the tools online to build that candidate club improved over the years I was doing it. Uh, I had a great job. my wife and I both did. And uh, when we met and were dating, i I spoke with her about basically my desire to be frugal and and save a lot more than we spend and mm-hmm. live you know as comfortably. you know we we vacation and we travel. Um, but living as far below our means as possible, basically just to save. And part of that for me was living our life so that we could be on one income, just mine or just hers. And that paired with my plan to eventually break off and start a business uh, candidate club. And with that, I, I didn't want to borrow money or look for funding or anything like that. I, I wanted to own everything and, and do everything at my own pace. So that's how I built up to that point. And then, uh, like you asked, Philip. 2019, I really enjoyed my job, but I also knew um, the, there there's a big risk in branching out and I'm still in that period, mm-hmm. probably the make or break period, but I knew what my career trajectory would be. It was very good at the time, but I knew that I wanted to accelerate way past that. And I also love, I'd worked for myself before I owned a search firm for four years. Uh, I'm self-motivated. So I just, I love waking up early and working and doing things at my own pace And, um, you know, very busy days, but if I feel the need to go, uh, you know, pick something from the garden before lunch, so I can have fresh veggies on my salad, you know, and spend 15 minutes watering the garden out of nowhere. I love being able to do that as well. I don't have nearly as much fun as I should working from home, but every once in a while I get a chance to do that. And that's what energizes me.
0: Totally. So were you married at 2019?
1: Yes. We were married in okay. 2018. So we were there about a, a okay. year into the marriage, year and a so, half, something like that. So
0: you're a year in your marriage, hot and steamy. Everything's good. You turn to your wife. What's your wife's name? First off. Amanda. Amanda. Amanda, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> I love it, but I got a different vision. What was her response? Was she all in? Was she like, I'm a little hesitant, but I love you. Let's do it. What was her response?
1: She's very supportive. She had seen Candidate Club. Uh, she'd seen the website and seen how much time I spent on it after work and on weekends. And it was really the idea of the freedom it could give us as a couple too. Uh, we don't have kids yet. We're working on that. But you know, one of our goals is to be able to say, if, if I were to work from home or be able to set my own schedule, uh, putting kids first and having the freedom to do that is a shared goal of ours. And this would be a way to approach that. And you know, maybe it'll become overwhelming and we won't get that, but that to be able to you know, own a small business and do this from home and be able to drop off kids at say a babysitter or with parents that builds into kind of the part of this big plan. It's not why it's not the why, but it definitely it's the upside.
0: Right. And then you casting that vision for her, for her to like latch onto was probably another easy reason of her. Like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. Or let's try it. You know? But I do think because Brian has all these questions and I'm just totally monopolizing this, which usually happens. But I do think that you know spouses and their support cannot be undervalued. Like that is a huge component of this. Uh, when you start stepping down this uncommon life for yourself, is having a supportive wife. I can't tell you how valuable that is. So Amanda, kudos to you. Holla back. You're amazing. Good
2: job. Okay, Brian, it's on you. Yeah, did you get, did you have revenue with Candidate Club um prior to leaving your job? I assume you did, but
1: I played around so what's funny is I would I would make it free and people wouldn't use it and then I would charge and I would get some some activity. A lot of my time was spent building it though that was the focus and that I needed to do that even when I started full-time into it. So it was not a, a revenue positive business in any way.
2: Wow. But you've, you had a clear picture as to how it could be revenue positive pretty quickly if you're going to punch out. Yes. Yes. And then with, I mean, probably the, you know, COVID hit everybody differently, but probably, you know, in looking at it, can you talk about what COVID has done to your business and just the transition? You know, I just heard a term, I can't remember what it was. We were talking about this yesterday, but this like the whole job market is in flux. You know, because of COVID, and people are saying like, "I'm not doing this anymore." People are moving, you know, because now they can work from home and they want to go live somewhere else. <laughs> can you kind of just share a little bit about your view of maybe COVID, the job market in general, and what you're seeing, and and then how Canada
1: Candidate Club has fit into that? I don't like putting it this way, but <laughs> with when COVID 19, it definitely helped my business, my product, definitely. Um, stood out more and helped people more in the with the need for social distancing and I'll explain that the uh, so one side of candidate club is the consumer side so they pay a monthly subscription to have access. The other side is uh, f- b- contracts with organizations. so uh, whether that be a university or a state agency or a nonprofit, that's what I'm working towards as well. so, a couple sides of this. So, say a, a university helps students prepare as they're graduating to go off into the real world. Well, you can't do that. You know, in the middle of 2020, you can't do that with social distancing. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if the masks are enough. People aren't sitting in small offices doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, the idea with Candid Club is it does that. It does the interview preparation, probably, in my opinion, better than a lot of people that don't have my background can do. It can serve all of your students simultaneously that need it instead of, you know, the two career prep people you have in your office. Mm -hmm. And there's no need for social distancing. You do it on your computer anytime, anywhere. So that made the product, it really, it changed the value of it overnight. The other side that I think helped me is when contacting some of these big agencies or universities or wherever I truly believe I got meetings because of zoom that I wouldn't have gotten in person. I'm, I'm a nobody. I don't, none of these people know me from anywhere. I don't get warm introductions. So I'm calling, asking for a meeting. Luckily they're curious about the product and they do. They've had a lot of great reception to it, but some of these high level directors or presidents, I, based on, you know, my, my history of, of cold calling and doing things like that. I think I got a lot more meetings because, and maybe this is for everyone in sales, a 30-minute Zoom call is a lot less intrusive and risky for someone at that level than me, some crazy person from Iowa stopping by their office and not leaving for four hours. So I think right. both of those factors helped. I think a bigger business with smarter people than me would have capitalized on it even more, but it definitely helped me gain a lot of ground and get a lot of meetings I, I doubt I would have had otherwise.
0: Right. And I do want to just, just clarify, you are somebody cause you are the uncommon life project. Okay. So don't you shortchange yourself. And here's what I'd say. Cause Brian does such a good job of this in articulating when we're younger, we hire coaches to help us or I should say our parents hire coaches to help us get mm-hmm. to be good at a sport or something that you're excited about, whatever. But when we get older, when the, when the stakes are higher, we don't go anywhere closer to that like we don't even think about hiring a coach and like first interviews are a huge component to the overall hiring and and getting the dream job that you want so i would say like what you have provided in such and it's not a headhunter like headhunters to me like yeah i get it But like you're really trying to prep the individual for that dream job. But the first thing they have to do is the interview and how they conduct themselves in the interview is a huge component of getting that job or not. So I want to go back to kind of specific details of your job. What's the biggest thing that you tell people in the first interview that helps them
1: get that job? On candidate club? Yeah. So there's a couple of big concepts on Candidate Club. So there's three interview simulators. So there's a phone and in person, and now a Zoom interview simulator that I built out during COVID. So really, the, it walks you through the questions that you will be asked. The generic questions. It's not you know, it's not whiteboard and and write out code questions. Um, so each of those questions on Candidate Club is followed up by a video answer from me or a text answer from me. So the concept is getting inside the heads of a hiring manager or recruiter or HR professional. So what I'm telling the job seeker is you know, not this is the hack on how to trick them into thinking you're qualified. There's <laughs> none of that. It's look back on your experience, take the time for some introspection and gather that and you build that to answer this question or I'll dig into things like if you're asked a question uh, tell me what you know about our company well that that HR professional they know about the company they're not actually they're right. not trying to learn about their own company that's <laughs> what at face value no one thinks that but at face value why are they asking about their own company they the want reason, reason behind that. that yep right. the reason behind that question is they want to know do you care enough about this job to spend a little bit of time doing research and really then by what you're able to give back to them, it's almost a scale of one to 10. They, they care enough to have memorized this and to know the important facts. They know what they're getting themselves into, right? Because both parties need to have a clear idea of Mm -hmm what the industry is, uh, the job duties, all of that. If someone says, oh yeah, I know that this, you know, this is your location and you have these nice offices, which happens. And uh, I think that you are in construction. That person isn't invested in work- working there. They're, th- they're just spending their time doing a job interview. That's about it.
0: Good point. Mm. Like Workiva, you have an amazing lunch room, Okay. <laughs> and I want to eat here all the time. All right. Let's just <laughs> saying
2: it. You're hired. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Um, I want to you know be mindful of you and and your business, so you can share as much as you want to on this. But one of you know our big thing, one of our big things, is the seven sources of residual income, and you have a subscription model. We talk a lot about this subscription model; it's obviously super popular right now. But going from a business that's you know basically pre-revenue or not revenue positive, can you kind of just share a little bit about how you? you know, solved for the subscription model and and, you know, leveraging that type of uh, you know, business model to monetize, you know, what you were building with Canada Club.
1: What's funny is for the first six months or more, probably the first eight months of the business, I had what I thought was more a more fair model where you only paid once for six months of access or one month of access. So the idea was you only pay once and then within six months, you're most likely going to have a job. And I thought that was fair to me because maybe you get a job within a week of using Candidate Club and then you've paid for all this runway that you don't need. To me, that's what made sense of being fair to the user or the consumer. Uh, I ended up switching that to subscription model based on feedback and my subscriptions went through the roof. And so what's interesting there is I was trying to read the market and do what I thought was truly the right thing. And the market wanted something else. That's what you don't pay for six months of Netflix at a time. You don't, you do it a month at a time. And with Candid Club, you do it and you unsubscribe at any point that you feel like it. So you really, you could just pay, a lot of people do, they just pay for the first month, which is my problem, not theirs, but a lot of people keep using it. And they use it as ongoing training, and there's even some career knowledge built into it as well. So, subscription model works much better. Lesson learned: I am uh, very much uh, revenue positive. It's, it's profitable. My margins are good uh, right now. I'm only my only um, means of income is the consumer side. A lot of that has it builds up really so Mm -hmm. you know last this month is a little bit more than last month i don't know what the the breaking point of that will be or or you know what the kind of critical mass might be the contract side with say a state agency that's what i where i put a lot of my time and i my goal is really to have multiple sources of revenue there so some consumer some agency or university and build both but also not live and die by one or the other
2: Sure.
0: So you saw a need in the market, right? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because you must have seen some pretty bad interviews <laughs> uh, beforehand and your experience beforehand. So what fueled your passion to start pouring into this exact candidate club and helping people in the interview process?
1: We hear people talk today. I'm sure you've had these conversations. Why don't they teach how to you know, why don't they teach how to pay off a credit card or finance or how to balance a checkbook, which I guess we don't really do anymore, but why don't they teach us skills in high school? We've started to have the, those conversations. Why don't we teach how to, how to do some of these basic sa- you know, savings, things like that? I think this, it's the same thing is true for the career and so high schools are doing this more and more, but some of us were taught by a parent, have a firm handshake and look an adult in the eye when you meet them. And that's, okay. helped, that's helped tremendously. But a lot of people don't have that. And actually, maybe they're taught the opposite of that, where um, you standoffish, or it, maybe it's, it seems silly to be that polite. So this is something that I believe should be, really, should be taught at, to, say, high schoolers, where they're getting this knowledge of... <laughs> they're basically, they're in high school, so they can function in the real world and have skills for the job market learn something that they'll be good at that they can have uh, a career out of. So why aren't they teaching these basic skills of this is what it's like to walk into the interview. This is what it's like to represent yourself. Start building your experiences now. Start writing down when you helped your neighbor or you volunteered at your church and use that to build your first resume for the first couple of years of your career. That's not being done. So that's where I feel like I'm stepping in. The, the age range of Candidate Club is pretty broad, but it's definitely more towards the 20 to 30-year-old demographic. Executives aren't signing on to Candidate Club. They don't need to. They've had their interviews. They know what to do. I have had a couple people email me that they are further along and higher up, more advanced in their career. And they use Candidate Club because they hadn't interviewed in, say, 10 years. And they wanted to shake some of the dust off and they love it. But most of the time, it's people that are they want to experience this for the first time or maybe the second time, maybe they had a bad interview and they realized it afterwards. And so now it's time to, and I I love this type of person. That's why I have the podcast. They want to improve themselves and they're seeking that out, which not enough people do.
0: Right. Uh Did I answer your question? Oh yeah. You nailed it. You knocked it out of the park,
2: Matthew. (laughs) What, um, What's next for Canada club? It sounds like just the institutional market, so to speak, or like colleges, right? Yeah. Right. Like institutions. Yeah. Colleges, government agencies, these
1: bigger employers, maybe. So that's been an experiment. The university side is where I started 2020. That was my main goal. That has evolved. I don't think that th- that is going to be a main source of income, just based on off what I've learned and the amount of time I think it'll take uh, for that sales cycle. Something maybe to revisit later on. the The goal right now is, and I'm working. I'm working on the contract side. I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse and talk about it too much until sure. I, I actually have something secured. Um, But building a couple different forms at once. The podcast is helping Candidate Club grow. The consumer side is helping it grow. Uh, I don't know how to do the SEO stuff online, but people are finding Candidate Club organically now. And, and uh, whatever they're Googling for is bringing them from their Google search to candidate Club. So it's just this, you know, it's kind of this humble one person project. But what I think makes it unique is that, and now, now there's videos of me speaking on candidate club. I was an executive recruiter. I was a search firm owner. I was a director of talent acquisition. I've done a lot of interview coaching. And almost everything I say in can't club is unique. And some of it is, I would even say different, like not very many people are comparing interviewing to dating, but it right. helps connect, especially with the, with the younger people. Oh yeah. I do talk about my exes during first dates and it yeah. didn't go over well. You're and killing so two people, birds. Yeah. I'm yeah. And maybe I'll pivot <laughs> to a dating, dating yeah. prep site I heard it is. But I've seen so many bad interviews, like you said, and like you asked, and a lot of times they'll just go on about their last boss, and probably the, some of the stuff they're saying. We're thinking in our heads, yeah, you're gonna, you're going to run into that here. Like if you show up late three days a week, we're gonna, you know, be talking to you about that. We aren't chill, like you know, like your last boss wasn't chill either. We we need you to be here on time, say, or not uh, be a no show. So learning those same things. Don't complain about your ex boss. Digging into that. That's all I have to say about
0: that, yeah. no, that's good. I, I think this is what I would say, like when people are in this transition of different, like, oh, I have to I got fired or or twenty twenty was just interesting, like Brian talked about before. but, like, man, I would just encourage, you know, the listeners of your podcast that maybe have come over to ours, like what a great opportunity that you have to now do something that you're truly gifted in and, and exercise your passion. And the first thing is to be very polished on your interview skills. You want a good first date. Everyone wants a good first date. Let's be honest. Uh, So that's, it's really encouraging to me that you're sitting and you're focused on one specific spot and helping them knock that out of the park. Um, I I mean, I, I'm just excited that you're impacting people in a place where sometimes it's almost defeated. Um, but man, that they can start thinking through, cause I know that how it used to be is like, well, the only way to get good at interviews is just go through a whole bunch of interviews, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and like, that is like a big whiff to me. Like, how can we polish ourselves before that interview, before you're sitting in front of those people? Um, And then being able to articulate the value and the passion that you have is really powerful. And I will say that uh, my life, I had a sales job one point and uh, my mentor was like, well, you have to close, you have to close this, you know, like it's a sales job, you'll have to close at some point. And I was like, all right, Deanne, like, how do I do that? She's like, oh, Philip, she's like, I can tell you how I close, but it's not going to be how you close. Like, you have to Mm -hmm. figure that out for yourself. And I remember in the interview process getting super nervous about that specific thing. And it came to the end and I was like, hey, Mark, I was like, I want to be better at interviewing. Like, what did I do well and what could I improve on? And I asked him to give me feedback. And then at the end of that, I was like, well, like rate me on all the people that you're interviewing. Like, how did I stack rank? Like, (laughs) and I knew the top two would go on. And he's like, Well, I got a couple other people. I was like, No, no, man. Like, how many of you interviewed already? He's like 12 or whatever. And how am I stacking? He's like, You're top, top two percent, you know. Like, he's like, You're the top candidate at this point. And that was good for me. Because I told him, I was like, Mark, chances are if you don't like me, I'll never talk to you again. So, this is the only time I can get feedback from you. You know, like, because that's yeah, brutal to me. They anyway, don't bring you back for the you could have done at. Yeah. Right. And so, it was really good for me to just get that feedback right then. And I think that he saw that I really cared and I wanted to improve myself. Uh, I got the job, by the way. Uh, so, that's exciting. But anyway, I just don't think that a lot of people have, like, that mentor of mine just to prep me enough to say, hey, you're going to have to close was like, oh, okay, you know, and it made me think about it beforehand. Um, but anyway, so kudos to you. That's what I got.
2: <laughs> what, uh, we have a lot of listeners, um, Matt, you know, that are high school, college kids with their families. Um, you know, we've really kind of branched into, we. you know, obviously in financial planning, you know, there's like college planning or educational planning, uh, 529s, that type of thing. But, um, what would you say, you know, my daughter is 14 and a half, probably on the brink of getting her first job. Like, is that, I'm feeling like this is something I should be doing with her. Are you seeing that kind of trend with, with your user base or how do how do families with, you know, teenagers, um, you know, get involved or, or do they start with your program just like
1: anybody else would in their 20s and 30s? I think the earlier that you can start becoming comfortable with the concept of just an interview, you don't even have to call it a job interview. I think you could sit down your kid and just have a basically tell me about yourself interview, Mm -hmm. but having questions that are uh, they're not prepared for, right? What are your Mm -hmm. What are your goals in life? What are you good at? What's a moment? You know, when did you do something? When did you make a mistake, and how did you remedy it? How did you turn a good situ- or a bad situation into a good situation? Mm. I think getting what you know, we could call them getting those reps in as early as possible. Um, or you know, when kids are maybe able to start thinking about whether it's mowing lawns or doing work, thinking about working their first jobs, because they're gonna have interviews there too. How do you represent yourself well? How are you polite? I think is really important. Uh, how do you show respect for the employer for everything from being on time is a big way to show respect, dress, mm-hmm. not wearing your favorite uh, football player's jersey and, and <laughs> uh, sweatpants to the interview and sandals, you know, putting on a polo and maybe just khaki shorts or whatever, but showing that you respect the company. Instilling those values young, I think helps. And then the interview, everyone gets nervous for them. I would today. I'm, I'm guessing you, both of you would too. It's natural. And that's good because you care. But mm-hmm. shaking off some of those nerves of insecurity... Mm. Early on, for I think mm. helps everybody feel more comfortable and more natural once they do sit down across from somebody.
0: Do your interview a favor and have a little confidence because it sucks for everybody. Let's be candid. Okay, so Matthew, how do we help you, and how do our listeners find out more about Candidate Club and just what you're doing and, and participate in that if they want to?
1: Really, the the big thing here is I I only want to help people that feel like they need the help. So if someone feels confident in their job interview. A lot of people feel very confident in that and they're they're not, they don't perform well. And they usually, that's a bad sign. I think of, of saying like, oh, I've got this all covered. <laughs> so, so, so someone that uh, needs help, I have my email address on the website so people can just contact me. So I get a lot of emails from people with questions that would be outside of the scope of what Candidate Club teaches. So really just anyone that needs help I would point them to the direction of Candidate Club. The job interview experience, the podcast, it's free to listen to. And I share, I say I just scratch the surface of what's on Candidate Club because I do. You can't interact with the job interview experience. You can only listen. But that's free. And, and I go in-depth in some unusual topics that are common, listener questions of, of weird situations. So that would be the other place I'd point people to is just uh, a good place to start is maybe listen to the podcast see if you're learning something, if you like my style and my approach to the preparation, and then um, take it from there, if if that answers your question.
0: What's the podcast name? I want to make sure our listeners have access to that.
1: It's changed. So it was the job interview podcast. And then I started creating episodes that go on YouTube. So I figured I, I should make something that I, I, the YouTube show is not really a podcast. So I renamed it the job interview experience, maybe a big mistake. I like that the final two words are interview experience because it aligns with what I'm trying to give people, which is interview experience. We'll see it. Maybe it'll all crash and burn now, but I made that change a couple months ago. So the job interview experience.
0: Honestly, I love how you're like, not like hand clinched on any of this. I think that's benefited you greatly. That's really cool. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project with uh, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Tune in next time for another tip or trick to get you to where you want to go. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks, everybody. That's all
1: for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.